and welcome to the Kids Planet Podcast. An opportunity to explore the highs and lows of raising under fives. Here's your host, Victoria Jones. Hello and welcome back to All Things Early Years, where today we're chatting with a daddy sleep consultant, Chris McFadden, who I believe, Chris, you are the first male certified sleep consultant, is that right? I believe so. I'm certainly sticking with it, but yeah, I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, and uh, enjoying the weather. It's uh, it's very hot uh, down here in the southeast of England, but uh, just making the most of the sunshine. It is. What sort of temperatures have you got with you? I think it's around 27, 28, but it feels a little bit warmer than that. It's very clammy. There's not yeah. a lot of air. It's actually started to get very overcast now. I believe a thunderstorm is coming, so hopefully that that cools things down a little bit. Fingers crossed. I'm trying <laughs> not to be one of those persons who, um, or those people who complain about the uh, the heat, but I... I I've already done it twice today. <laughs> okay, I don't feel so bad. But I just keep saying, if, if we were, you know, we're not set up for it. If we had a paddling pool and swimming pools, we're all right, aren't we? But in this case, exactly. we, um, we struggle a little bit. But yeah. do you want to just start off, tell us how you became, you know, to do what you're doing now? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, basically, I've got, I've got two little boys, um, Teddy, who's just turned three last Monday. And causing me absolute <laughs> hell at the moment with his uh, <laughs> saying no to everything. Uh, nice. and, and yeah, and uh, a baby Rafferty. Well, I say baby, but he is 13 months now. So I don't know if I can class him as a baby anymore, but he's still my little baby. And um, Teddy, my eldest, when he was uh, younger, when he was a baby himself, he was a nightmare around sleep. Um, we, we fed him to sleep because, to be honest, that's what we thought you did. Um, we thought that's how you, you you got a baby to sleep. We didn't understand about the whole things, the whole things around getting a baby to sleep for him in a wake state, self-settling, all those kind of things. So we, we fed him to sleep, and when he didn't feed to sleep, we rocked him to sleep, we patted him to sleep, we brought him into our bed. We did everything to get him asleep. Um, and at six months, we, we broke. Um, we were... We were sleep deprived. We were shattered. Teddy was was obviously not the, the best version of himself. He was cranky at certain points. We were definitely cranky. It was having an impact on our whole life, our relationship as well, um, because we weren't spending quality time together and you don't have yep. productive conversations at two o'clock in the morning when you're trying to get a baby De- to sleep. Definitely not. <laughs> so uh, we got a sleep consultant to, to help us and, and it was dramatic in, in terms of, the, the impact I had on our lives, it literally was life-changing. Uh, it's such an impact, I decided to to do it myself. I, I retrained and, and set up the, the Daddy Sleep Consultant business, and that was that was over two years, two and a half years ago now. And um, it, it's just so rewarding being able to help uh, families. Uh, I, I, I go back to that point I made a moment ago, it really is life-changing. It, you go from being in the situation where you don't know where you're going to get some sleep, you're sitting anxiously waiting for your baby to to wake up or expecting your baby to wake up um you're probably not having quality time with your partner if you if you have one um it's just it's all consuming it really is all consuming um and you go from that to being able to put them down walk out the room um and not always but generally see them not see them again until the next morning and you can have some dinner you can yeah. have you can have a bit of TV downtime and relax yeah. and and get yourself ready for the next day because parenting's tough. It's nonstop, um, and you throw in the lack of sleep and it's challenging. And that's not to mention daytime sleep, which 
babies that don't sleep well at night typically don't sleep well during the day, certainly not in terms of giving you the freedom to maybe get on with housework and, and preparing yeah. their meals and things like that. So it's just all consuming um, and being able to, to, to change that is really powerful. So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some sort of advice and support that you offer, but just on a, on a very simple level, if, if one of those parents that you've just described, sleep deprived, stressed out, tired, um, per, a child won't sleep during the day, won't sleep at night time, what, what is the first thing that you do? Uh, I, I typically speak to the person and they speak to the parent to find out what, what's causing the issues. Um, but generally, it's down to that inability of the baby to, to settle themselves to sleep. What is happening is they are um, being helped to sleep usually um, by the parent um, or caregiver. And that's usually feeding, uh, whether yeah. that's breast or bottle. Uh, that's usually some rocking or patty. If I look back at the photos of my my <laughs> wife um, and our first child, every photo during the day, she, the baby was in her arms. Yeah. And she she patted them to sleep, and I did it as well. And don't get me wrong, it was amazing. It yeah. really was. And on the second child, because I was a sleep consultant by that point, we didn't do that as much, but we we just struck a balance. But really, it comes back to that inability to self-settle. So you need to identify how you're getting your baby to sleep in the first place. And if it's helping them through patting, rocking, co-sleeping, uh, feeding to sleep, then that's that's the behaviour that needs to change to allow the baby to be able to do that themselves. Just the way we do as adults, we pop ourselves into bed, we might read a book, we might listen to a podcast for a little bit, or whatever it may be, or watch TV. Some obviously some parents watch the people adults wait to watch TV, um, but generally you can get yourself off to sleep whether it's in your own bed or maybe you go and stay at friends or a hotel on holiday that kind of thing. And that's what we want our babies to do. We want them to be able to go into a cot, lie in a mattress and go to sleep themselves. Um, but generally the babies are not sleeping well, are not doing that. They're getting the support to go to sleep. So it's about identifying how you're helping your baby get to sleep and trying to change that process. And, and then it becomes a bit of a vicious circle, doesn't it? Because you, yes. you can't, you, you rock them and they, they, you know, maybe quiet for a bit. So you think you win in and then you do a bit more of that. And then it's just, it's a never ending circle, is it? It, it absolutely is. You, 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 you've rocked them to sleep at bedtime. They wake up during the night, you, you rock them back to sleep. And then because they're getting rocked back to sleep, they will wake again. And then you're doing the same thing and it's just repeating it. It's what I call a, a kind of cycle of, of unhappiness or a cycle of, um, I wouldn't call it failure because you'll never do that with, uh, it's not failure but it's not a, it's not a good cycle because yeah. you're just repeating the same habits that are not sustainable longer term um and you want to get into that good habit where baby learns to self-settle you put the baby down in the cot when the baby wakes up during the night which they will do adults wake up during the night they can settle themselves back to sleep and then they repeat that again so it's, a, it's two very different cycles and is there is there an age when a little one should be able to settle to self self soothe do they get to a certain number of weeks and and really they should be able to or is that straight from you know from day day one no it's, it's something that they, they shouldn't they, they shouldn't be able to do from day one but but after a few weeks they can start to do it i don't think there's there's ever a set age of when they should do it um all babies are different um some babies some parents don't don't know anything about 
how to get their child to sleep, don't know anything about sleep training, and their baby sleeps through the night from six or eight weeks. Um, and that's because maybe some of the, the patterns that they've done inadvertently um, have allowed that, but also just because the, the baby's been quite content, put down on their back in a, maybe a Moses basket, a basket, a bassinet, and it's allowed them to settle themselves off to sleep. But all babies are different. But after kind of four months, five months, if a baby's not settling to sleep themselves, that's when you might run into trouble. If if you're feeding a baby to sleep, for example, and they're sleeping all the way through the night or using a dummy and they're sleeping all the way through the night, then, then great. But maybe at some point they will stop feeding to sleep. And yeah. that's when the problem arises. If they don't feed to sleep, what do you then uh, next do? But, but certainly there are things you can really implement from very early on, which allows, which are really, really gentle for newborns, which allow them to, to settle to sleep. Uh, we did it with our second child um, because I knew what I was doing then. <laughs> and um, he, he, even with acid reflux, he was sleeping through from 11 weeks. Um, so it's, it's about understanding. And that's why I do an antenatal newborn course, both in, in written format and also as a video consultation, because I, I don't believe in sleep training before five months and I don't think any sleep consultant does. Um, but there's lots of little gentle things you can do that, around the environment, around um, Just your the bedtime ready. routine. Yeah, daytime routine, exactly. So that you can get all these things and structures in place that give the baby the best opportunity to, to sleep as well as they possibly can for their age. They're not going to sleep six, seven hour stretches at night in, in one week, but after six weeks, eight weeks, they can start doing that if we set them up to do so. But a lot of us parents, we we do things that um, we don't know different and we do things that unfortunately create these habits which just make things a little bit more difficult. But that's what the, my job is to try and educate parents before they get to that point. Um, and I, I think that's the difficult part. I think parents, expecting parents um, and very new parents do know that their sleep is going to be a problem and they do think about sleep. But naturally, I think the first thing we all think about is expecting in new parents is, is our baby going to be healthy? And rightly so, that's the most important thing. And then sleep's in the background, but then yeah. sleep becomes a problem two months, three months when they're more content, yeah. the baby's healthy and things are starting to kind of deteriorate in that, that, yeah. in that, in that oh. world. And we, I mean, I've talked on with other guests on our podcast about how no one can prepare you for that. As much as you know, you get told that sleep is going to be an issue. You certainly in my life, I never experienced anything like that kind of sleep dep deprivation than, than you do in those first, you know, those first few weeks. So there's nothing that can prepare you for it, can there? It's just... No, it's like even even with my second, as much as I knew what I was doing and giving them all the, the right strategies and giving them lots and lots of cuddles for sure uh, during the day especially, um, nobody could really prepare my body for the, the sleep <laughs> deprivation. It was like it'd been hit by a truck during the yeah. day for about six or eight weeks. It's, it's, it's like jet lag. If you go to maybe some other part of the world where there's maybe a four, five, six hour plus time difference, that's the, the closest thing it compares to. Um, and, and that's another thing, that, like talking about jet lag and how your body feels, that's how the baby feels, especially in those first few, few weeks right, because yeah. um, a baby's typically born with their night and day upside down because when, when they're in uh, mum's womb, um, they, they typically are asleep during the day from all the movement of mum and the yeah. rocking sets them off to sleep and then they're more awake at night when mum is settled so they're typically born with that upside down 
kind of night and day. And it's our job as parents to, to give them the strategies to separate day and night. Because again, going back to the jet lag point, that's how babies feel if they're if they're night and daytime is all out of sync and they're not sleeping well, they're feeling the exact same as you, which can make them really cranky and really unhappy in those in those first couple of months. So it's not only it, getting sleep right, it's obviously about the baby because that's what most parents think about. My job is to think about the baby a, a lot, but think about the parents and the well-being, but it's the impact on everyone in the whole family is when, when, when there's sleep deprivation. So do you, I mean, you talk about babies, do you, um, do you work with, older children what sort of age would you say no I, I can't be on this point I, I don't I don't deal with sleep issues I deal with children up to four a lot of sleep consultants do up to six or seven okay. uh, I, I purposely do it up until kind of before school age um, it, when it gets to, to kind of the older toddlers age range it's very <laughs> I wouldn't say it's very different uh, to babies but there's certainly a, 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 it's a different approach um, ultimately the kind of core um, approach in, uh, through all ages and in, in that kind of zero to four or zero to five age group is is setting boundaries because even young babies they're always pushing boundaries to get what they want and generally as parents are, are soft and will give in and again it's completely understandable why um, but toddlers are the same it's all about yeah. pushing boundaries they're even more clever about what <laughs> they're doing so you you have to you have to manage those boundaries and, and decide what you want to be acceptable and what's not acceptable you're the, the thing about toddlers up at that end of the age spectrum is they need control they crave control and I'm, I'm sure you're very much aware of that Jane and <laughs> I think it's important to give them control but give them control of things that don't really matter so yeah. you're, you're 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 almost fulfilling uh, or satisfy, satisfying their craving of control but of things that don't really matter for example let them choose their pajamas that doesn't unless it's unless yeah. they're trying to unless they're trying to choose winter pajamas and it's 28 <laughs> degrees heat then let them choose their pajamas but then you as a and let them choose how many uh, which bedtime story or stories they want to read but for so you they as a feel parent, that element of control but it's in, within managed boundaries yeah and and you're letting them control exactly the things that don't matter in the grand yeah. scheme of things, they don't matter. But what does matter is where they sleep, when they sleep, how they sleep. And that's what you should control. So it's a real balance. So I work with kids up to four. The core is usually around still trying to teach them to self-settle, but there's different nuances in it around control, around boundary setting. The fact that they're often not in a cot by that point as well, which <laughs> throws another dynamic into the mix when they can yeah. get out of their bed and off yeah. and out of their room. So um, it's a little bit different, a little bit more difficult at times as well. Albeit when babies are younger, it's, it can be a little bit more emotionally challenging sleep training. Um, but they are they are a lot more malleable at that age because uh, they, they haven't been set of two and three years in their ways. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're a bit quite a bit easier to adapt. So do you? I mean, you talk about the, the, you know the the old age. Do you work more with babies? Is that your, where I guess the majority of your work comes from, or is it or was it just you know across the board? No, definitely, definitely more in the the younger range. I think it's quite interesting uh, demographically. I will I will work with kids really from five months up to a year, uh, or not work with them, but in terms of the clients that I get, generally five to eleven, five to twelve months is is probably the higher end of 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 the clients I get. I think there's a there's a bit of a dip in there between one and two years because I think if you've got to a year um, with sleep deprivation. 
um, you kind of get used to it. And then <laughs> yeah. there's almost there's almost an element of you'll grow out of it by two. So if we've done it for a year, we'll do it for another year. You hang on in. Yeah. And then <laughs> it gets to two and they go, this hasn't resolved itself yet. It should have done it by now. So I then see a bit more of a pickup again around the, the two, two and a half, and then up to three. Now, three, three and a half, there's less because I think a lot of parents have, have decided they're not going to be able to be resolved, which is not true. Um, but they've all kind of just get used to it and accepted it, which obviously it's absolutely a parent's decision, but hopefully anybody listening to this, that doesn't need to be the case. Um, but certainly um, sleep training has got a lot more widely known, um, a lot more widely understood as well. So don't necessarily, people don't necessarily just assume it's crying out. Um, so I think more people are interested in getting their baby's sleep fixed when they're younger, when it's a little bit easier, but also they're not having to go through months and months of sleep deprivation to a point where they then decide to to break. And and you, I'm guessing you do get parents that come to you and are at total breaking point. Do they have they lost faith at that point that you know anything will work? And how lovely must that be when you can, um, you know, when you can work with these parents and give them a, a, a more night's sleep than perhaps they've ever had in weeks and weeks. Absolutely. I even got a text message from one of my clients today and, and she, out of the blue, I haven't spoken to her in about three or four weeks and she said she was now, um, she was stuck in the house due to isolating reasons and um, and she just wanted to thank me again because it, it's not nice being stuck in the house, but it would, it would have been so much worse if there was a lack of sleep going on. Um, so, it's it's just truly rewarding. It really is, and and lots of I think most families come to me when they're at kind of breaking point. I don't think anybody comes to me and says, "Oh, I really fancy doing sleep training," uh, because it is it's difficult, and and that's why a lot of people don't do it because it's kind of last resort, which I don't think it feels like it should be or it needs to be. But I can under, absolutely understand why why it is, um, and they do come to me sometimes with a with a lack of faith. But then there's a lot of parents that, that don't have a don't have faith and don't come to me and they, they just try and kind of um, get by and they struggle on. And the, my message to anybody that, that's, that's like that and is, is listening is get in touch because it can be resolved unless there's a medical issue behind it. And that's not that's not necessarily the case or often the case. It can be resolved. It does take a, a little bit of commitment, quite a bit of dedication and perseverance over a kind of two to three week period. But um, it can absolutely be resolved, um, but that's that's what gives me such satisfaction in in, in this in having this business and, and doing this job is because it's it's life changing. I'm gonna say it's it is, isn't it? As as we've just you know kind of said that lack of sleep, you become a completely different person, don't you? Yeah. So when you get that sleep back, it does it completely changes the way that you you do everything in 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 the in your life. Exactly. As my wife would say to me, she knows when I'm tired because I've become a, a little bit of a ratty catty, as she calls me. So, <laughs> a ratty catty. A ratty like catty. Um, so we all become a little bit short-tempered, less patient, uh, less energetic. Um, and I think and, and when we're parents, we, we often don't get, provide the patience for our children as well. I know I, when I'm tired, I'm not as patient with my children as I'd, I'll say no to them instead of trying to distract them or take them off to do something else. And, and yes, we can't always be perfect, but to try and minimise the amount of time that you're you're tired or really sleep deprived, I think it's really important. But there's also a safety element. So many parents come to me as well that 
they've, they've had to because they can't go on making mistakes like yeah. forgetting to strap their children in the car. Because they're and, just so tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah so fall, ba- young baby falling asleep in, uh, on the sofa and, and going against everything safe sleeping would advise. So it's there's lots of things like that as well. So it's not just about sleep deprivation. There's a safety element to it as well. Yeah. So you you talked at the at the start about self soothing. Um, yes. c- can you offer in you know in a nutshell some advice for parents that just simply don't know how to self soothe? Yeah. And also, I wanted to ask if if that's sort of the emphasis the emphasis on on soothing themselves. What's your view on um, crying it out and allowing a child just to get used to being on their own to just just cry the way through it? Yeah. So my my general sleep training approach is is the total opposite of crying out yes there's inevitably going to be tears with with sleep training because what it involves is change and even as adults don't like change um most of the time we can control our emotions a little bit better um with that change we might not we might be able to handle our emotions a little bit better but babies aren't if if you're telling them that they have to try and get them to self to sleep and they've never had to do it before, that is a massive change for them. So there's yeah. there's fear, there's frustration, um, and that that inevitably leads to tears because there's no other way for them to communicate that. But with my approach, you are always with the baby. You're always with the child, um, and that's that's the sleep training approach that I I promote and, and I use, and I, I'll only ever use that. Now, with regards to self-settling, I think the biggest thing lots of parents do, especially of young or newborns, is we, we try and put them down and the baby instantly cries and we pick them up. Now, unless the baby has something wrong with them, like they've got a soiled nappy, wet nappy, or hungry, then yeah. sometimes it's good to put them down and just stay right beside them and put your hand on their tummy or their chest and just try and shush them and allow them to settle back down. Often they're not crying for anything other than they're like, well, what's going on here? But actually we're trying to show them that you you are comfortable, you are safe lying on your back um, in a bassinet, not on mummy, not on daddy, uh, not on caregiver, whoever it may be. So yeah. that's 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 a really good way to help themselves. So there's a couple of other things you can do. You can use a dummy for those early stages. I don't recommend it long-term, but certainly in those first few weeks, it's a great way to teach a baby to self-soothe because the sucking motion does really help them. Um, I'm also a big believer in white noise for the first few weeks. I don't really recommend white noise longer term, but in those first few weeks, we were a big uh, user of a product that that put on a heartbeat sound for about 20 minutes, up to about six or eight weeks. Great, because it's such a big transition from the baby coming out of the womb, and they're scared, it's fearful, it's very different. Um, So having something that feels and sounds familiar to them is a great way to just help them adjust to the outside world. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend that that noise, that white noise continuing long-term as a, as a sleep aid and a, helping the baby get to sleep. But again, as a tr- transitional way to try and help the baby soothe themselves um, whilst in the crib, whilst in the Moses basket on their own, that, that's really important. And, and that's the, the difference between self-soothing and self-settling. And self-soothing, it's about them trying to comfort themselves, yeah. um, trying to kind of make themselves content and then self-settling around, getting themselves off to sleep from that state. And one thing that's really important, again, a lot of parents, especially new and first-time parents, won't necessarily know, um, kids have a little cry before they go off to sleep. So they might be lying there nicely and contently, and then before you know it, the kind of 
burst into a little bit of tears and or crying <laughs> noise. A lot of parents will rush over, pick up their baby, especially as first time parents. And yeah, which I was, you, which I, you we, do. We I was say I'm guilty of that. Yeah, totally. That. Even even my second baby, were totally guilty of that to an extent. Um, but certainly with the second child, it really showed me again that actually that that was his trigger to go to sleep. That was him kind of blocking out all the noise, using a little bit of white noise to try and block everything out and go off to sleep. That's one view of it. The other view is that he was also kind of, that was his frustration at going to sleep and he was just getting it out, lasted maybe a minute or two minutes and then he went off to sleep. Every time we heard that cry, we knew that he would then fall off to sleep and we just didn't intervene. So it's really important to understand the, the, the cries of your baby, the difference between the crying for hunger, the crying because they actually need something versus the crying of frustration trying to get to sleep. Again, very difficult when your baby's so young and, and you really don't, it's hard to tell the difference between the cry sounds, but it's, it's definitely worth looking out for. Yeah, and also very difficult when you're sleep deprived where you yes. don't necessarily make all the right decisions or, or sort of have a clear head to, to think about things logically. And that goes back to that cycle you were talking about earlier. Yeah, you you yeah. make you make you're tired. You get the baby to sleep. They don't sleep as long. You're tired, and then you make another decision yeah. that you probably wouldn't if you were less sleep deprived. Yeah. So we we asked some of our parents across our social media this week um, what issues they had around um, sleep and babies waking, um, and one that came up quite often was that parents said that they were okay getting baby off to sleep, and um, but that they would always wake up. Um, and we're talking sort of, I think some of these sort of 12 months plus, mm -hmm. five o'clock in the morning, religiously five o'clock. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. do they do at that point in terms of getting the child to, to sleep a little bit longer or to get them to be able to go back to sleep? So this this is a real common problem. And e even even my youngest, we go through spells where he wakes around six o'clock rather or quarter to six in, instead of kind of closer to seven, which thankfully he's done for the last week or two. Um, there's a lot of things that go in, kind of impact that. Obviously, t temperature at the moment is a, is a big yeah. factor. But but there's things that, that you really need to focus on in a parent to help stop that. So first of all, I've got a blog on my website that, that is named How Do I Stop Those 5 a.m. Wakings. I'd really recommend anyone to, to go and read that. Brilliant. Um, but there's, to, without going into too much scientific, I don't want to. I don't want to bore anyone too much. But there's two hormones that regulate our body clock. One is melatonin, which helps our, our sleep, and one is cortisol, which is kind of known as typically known as a fight or flight mode um, that creates stress in our body. And too much cortisol is not good for us. Um, but cortisol actually helps us. Um, stay awake it helps us wake up and it helps us stay awake so it's really important as the other part of our body body clock regulation um now if a baby is overtired going to bed and they fight sleep then that level of cortisol will be much higher as a starting point which will then mean overnight as it naturally starts to build in the body it will be at a higher higher level earlier in the night than it would be if it was a nice relaxing bedtime which then can lead to these early wakings and multiple wakings and early wakings so to avoid that is try and get the right sleep nap time during the day so have a think about what age your, your baby is how long they're able to stay awake and your final nap should reflect that so around the, the nine 12 month mark and they're able to stay awake for about three three and a half hours at time uh, three, three or three and a half hours at, uh, at any one time and yeah. in, in the bedtime seven o'clock then three, 3.30, 4pm, they should be sleeping until. So we need to be always thinking about that. So daytime sleep has a massive impact on nighttime. 
the, the, the old age phrase of sleep, breathe, sleep. And for daytime sleep, that that is really important for nighttime sleep. The other thing is the sleep environment. You'll hear sleep consultants talk about blackout blinds, blackout curtains, keeping the room blackout. So, so important. That really, really drives the, the, or increases the production of that sleep hormone melatonin. So when we go to bed, say 10 o'clock, and we're starting to get tired, that's because we're starting to produce melatonin in our body. And that's why um, it's important babies are going down to bed roughly about the same time each night. But that blackout element of the room is really important. A lot of parents use night lights and so on. Um, but I would really recommend a, a room that's pitch black because it really does help promote sleep. Um, mm. And not only that, it helps stop when, when the light rises in the morning, the sun yeah. rises in the morning. And Which at this time of year is, is fairly early, I, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So um, that's more likely to disturb sleep that's a lot lighter, that, that, that we all have lighter sleep during the during the night, as, as the night goes on, as morning approaches. So um, that's more likely to disturb the baby and wake them up as well. So um, those are two of the things that I would really focus on um, as kind of the key things to think about. The, the third, more practical point is, you have it as a parent have to decide what is the acceptable time to get up. If your baby's waking at 5 a.m., don't get them up. Really don't get them up because a lot of parents do and then they start the day, they, they get them in their, their jumper, they get them in front of the TV, they give them to start their breakfast, things like that. All that's doing is not only kick-starting their, their morning metabolism, but yeah. it's also validating their behaviour. Uh, and they don't know any difference, so we have to set those boundaries in place um, and one thing I can always recommend is try and get the baby back to sleep. Even if it takes an hour, an hour and a half to do so, use some settling techniques, be with the baby in the room. Um, it's really important. Even if the baby only drifts off for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, can feel like a lot of effort for 20 minutes, a cat nap effectively. But babies, drift, babies and toddlers drifting back off to sleep is so powerful and important to readjusting their body clock and moving it later and later. Oh, that's um, really so that's really, really important. But as I say, this it's when you get to five o'clock in the morning, it's so, really difficult to get them back to sleep, and it's really easy just to get up and start the day because you're just yeah. frustrated. But it uh, is, it's the easiest option, isn't it? You yeah. just get up, you, you move on, you get them moving around, and then before you know it, your week's in and you've you've you know your you're just doing the same thing. at five o'clock. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not watching anything at night and you're not having your dinner properly. You're not watching anything at night. You're not no. winding down because you're going to bed at nine o'clock as yeah. well because yeah. you're you're knackered. So it's a, again, again it goes back to that cycle. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, that yeah. cycle's a repetitive thing in in, in the world of, of children's sleep. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask, obviously, we've had the pandemic running on for months and months and months. How has that affected um, how you work with families? Have you found sort of more issues with people sort of maybe out of, you know, adults out of routines? Has that had an impact on on sleep and sort of I the kind of things that people have come to you with? I think it's actually been uh, it's been good for a lot of families because they've actually um allowed themselves to build a routine because they've not been out and about doing lots of stuff. I think the, the biggest challenge has been when we started coming out in the out of the different lockdowns, parents have then went wild and <laughs> gone out and yeah. about. And, and I, I, we were the same. Um, but then it's led to babies kind of never sleeping in their, in their, um, in their cot during the day. And, and that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be like that every single day or several times a day. But it's as with everything, there's, there's always a balance. 
Um, so I think there's there's been pros and cons to to the lockdown with baby sleep. I think the biggest thing for for a lot of babies is is that term COVID baby, and and babies have become a really dependent on parents. I know our youngest is he's 13 months is, is definitely a COVID baby. He's, he's lovely and independent in the house, but the moment we take him yeah. out anywhere or introduce him to our family, spend time, he's and especially if my wife leaves the room, he is he's inconsolable. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and that can have an impact on sleep because separation anxiety is important, especially if a baby that's not able to self-settle, our little one does, so it's less impactful. But for, for kids that have self-settling challenges, all these issues around about it then exaggerate that a, a little bit more. From, from my perspective, I've, I've used the the, the the pandemic as an opportunity to grow my business virtually. Um, I think before the pandemic, we, we were certainly doing quite a bit. I say we, it's a business run by, by my wife and I. Um, but it was something that we did virtually, uh, albeit most of it was locally and in, in home, uh, because people just didn't believe in virtual as much. But now yeah. we do, as a, as just, a, as a yeah. world, it's natural. It is, isn't it? It's just yeah. part of what we do now. It's I, I, no question. Exactly. So um, that's allowed me to grow the business a lot more kind of virtually and online. And uh, we've we've built our own online courses now. So they're available on our website. Um, they gave me the time to do it. It gave me the opportunity to do it. Um, I work with clients all over the UK. I work with clients in Ireland. I work with clients in Europe. I've, I've worked with clients in North America and Australia. So it's it's really allowed us to, to build the brand and, and that's allowed us to, to grow. We're bringing on a new sleep consultant soon in the UK. We've got one joining in, uh, in Ireland soon as well. So it's, we've, we've, we've used it as a, we've used such a negative thing on everybody's lives to turn it into a little bit of a positive on our side. And um, I wish the pandemic had never happened, obviously, um, but we've just used it as an opportunity as best as we possibly can. Nice, nice to hear. So what what would you say then um, to any of our parents that are listening who are thinking about getting in touch with a sleep consultant that perhaps will go to bed tonight saying, it'll be better, tomorrow will be better, <laughs> the weekend will be better, and I remember saying all those things myself. What, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them now? I would say don't hold off in reaching out to me or any other sleep consultant. It doesn't have to be me. I think there are situations or there are examples of babies just dramatically and miraculously sleeping through the night one night and then that's it forever but generally they go through spells of sleeping through on and off and parents go through kind of getting to their wits end then the baby starts sleeping through for a few weeks and it's like miraculous and then it, it takes a dip again and you're just kind of waiting for the next good spell or bad spell to arise and it's just I just don't think that's the way you want to be living kind of week by week and I, whereas if you reach out you can get it resolved and have those good spells constantly and I think that's really important I from my perspective from my my one-to-one programs I offer an initial consultation um, so it gives people parents a, a real opportunity to, to have a chat with me find out if they want to work with me most importantly because it's important to have a rapport with your sleep consultant and you like them and yeah. trust them and faith in them um, but it's also a chance just to see make sure that everything you tell me what can work and I can definitely fix it, which I'll always be honest about. But yeah, for parents that are arming and on and, and, and going through sleep uh, sleep struggles, don't don't let it consume your life. And in, in, in the space of a couple of weeks or a few hundred pounds, and that's not to sniff at any money because most parents that I work with will say it's the best money they, they'd ever, ever spend. spent. And yeah. they wish they'd done it so much sooner. Um, but it, it's, it's life-changing. It is 
truly and utterly life-changing. I can say that not as a sleep consultant, but as a dad who's been there. And it went, it changed our lives from being not wanting to speak to my wife and vice versa, not enjoying the first few months of painting, being in a world where we thought it would be all dreamy and amazing having this little boy. And in fact, it was, it was so tough and not always enjoyable. Um, to what we expected to be within a couple of weeks. We just had the most wonderful experience. Um, so don't don't hesitate. Right, that is brilliant. And I am I am fully aware there will be people listening to this who will be sat in that same position. So I really hope or hope they get in touch with you, Chris. Yeah. Um, how, how can how's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, you can either email me at chris at the daddy sleep consultant.com or you can um, follow me on Instagram at the Daddy Sleep Consultant, um, or at Facebook, it's the exact same. Uh, you can send me a private message. You can email me. My phone number's on my website as well. You can give me a call, drop me a WhatsApp, text message me. Um, I'm always available. That's probably one of my biggest strengths is just my ability to, to communicate pe- with people quickly and effectively, which when you're sleep training, you don't want to be getting responses two or three days yeah. later. Yeah, no, absolutely. You need it in that moment, don't you? Yeah, That's exactly. brilliant. Thank you. We will share all the details of that as well as that blog that you mentioned um, about waking early. So that's super. Thank you. Thank last, you. Lastly, before I let you go, um, and I have to say, I forgot to ask our last guest on our last episode, but we always <laughs> like to know a little bit more about our guests. So if you were stranded on, stranded on a deserted island um, and you could only have one thing to take with you, what would it be and why? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I'm only allowed one thing. You're only allowed uh, one thing. For anybody listening, I would choose my wife and two sons if I could choose more than one thing. Um, If I could choose, I can't choose one of my sons either because that would be. No, I cannot do that. That would be. They might just listen. That would be slightly awkward. I would probably, I, I know this is sound, going to sound like a really basic answer, but I would choose my phone because even in a deserted island, I'm sure I could probably still get some reception and yeah. help families get some sleep. You're not the only one who has picked a phone, so <laughs> thank you for that. Hopefully Amazing. I've added a nice caveat as to why I, I would say, choose. Just add that one little in, in the end. Thank you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you, Chris. And thank you so much for people for, for listening me. today. If you, anyone wants to share this podcast with any of your friends or your families with an interest in early years, that would be, that would be great. But uh, for now, stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for joining us and to our guests today. Tune in next month. And in the meantime, pop over to our website and follow us on social media. Kids Planet, working together to inspire your world.